0: Dude, how you doing?
1: I'm good. Hanging out, been working.
0: I know, man. I see those coffee shots on IG trying to get your art history down. Who's teaching you that? Yourself?
1: Yeah, I went to one class, but mostly myself, yeah.
0: So what are you cat five in that or like are you upgrading soon? Uh yeah, I probably I probably cat four for sure. <laughs> Dude, I love the pictures where it's just like DOH like don't and it's like coming down the side of the cup. I've gotten a good laugh out of a couple of those. Hey man, I gotta I so I like to put people on the spot real quick, uh, with a question. So the whole point of this series, get experienced racers, riders, wherever they fit into cycling. Um your question actually stems from riding running though, and we're gonna get into this. Coming from the running world, what do you think are a couple things that people who are trying to transition from running to cycling need to know as a difference? Or what what do you wish you knew where it's like, oh, man, I wish I had done that differently? Maybe some things like some habits that running creates that don't apply to cycling or just the lifestyle or I don't know, anything come to mind?
1: I don't really know. I think it's more of just you have to be when you're switching from running to cycling, you have to be prepared mentally for just the, the duration of like how long it's going to take. Cause mm-hmm. running typically you just don't run that long. Um, even in, in training, like the most I would run would be, you know, 90 minutes or occasionally like two hours, very rarely. So, you know, when you're riding a bike, that's like your shortest day you'll do all week. Yeah, You know? So it's just like a lot more time. You have to, You have to realize, you have to understand the investment that you have to, you know, set aside for the the actual time it takes to be that good on a bike. Mm
0: -hmm. So that explains why I would get injured when I would run an hour and a half. And that's supposed to be like the long day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that that is, that's a long, that's a long run. Um, and for cycling, that's just like, you know, an easy day, you know, a real ride or whatever.
0: That's and then, my day-to-day, like, trying to hold it back until the weekend and just take it easy. But how do you, how do, how do you even get, like, fit running? I mean, does the body just absorb so much more from running because it's full body or, like?
1: Yeah, running is a lot harder. So, you know, with running, and a lot of times you, you might do two runs in a day or two or three days a week, you would do two runs in a day. Okay. But one would, be, one would be 30 minutes and one would be 45 minutes or an hour in the evening, but with running, you know, I, th- there's some people who have done some some comparisons or, you know, some studies and basically like an hour run or like an, uh, it's more of equivalent to like a two and a half or even a three hour bike ride. Oh, wow. Okay. It like, it, it's just, and I don't know how they come up with that number, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot.
0: Yeah. So half hour run is like a, Zone two, couple hour ride almost.
1: Yeah, it's it's probably like a ninety. It's like a ninety minute ride. Yeah, so it's something you would do. It's it's almost like a shakeout. Yeah, cycling. You know, I think professionals might do this. They might do like ninety minute spins Mm -hmm. on the roller morning. They get up early and Mm -hmm. then they might do a, and that's how you get that volume up. Okay. Yeah, and if you're a professional cyclist, you know I think you will see a lot of that.
0: Mm Hmm. Do you do two a day rides? No, I don't do two a day rides. Would you if you could if you had if you yeah. were doing nothing but riding, would you ride twice a day? Yeah, I think so. like at least two, at
1: least two or three times a week
0: yeah really what do you why would you do that?
1: I just think i I think like um especially for s- specific workouts, it really helps like if you can if you can get that spin in. It's like when you're doing a race, like when you, whenever you do these like really hard efforts, or you do a a night crit, like you you want to get that ride in in the morning, mm-hmm. stuff. Kind of and I think that that's just a routine you would get in, and I think it helps.
0: It's interesting. I've never gotten into that, and for like you know night crits, and um, I don't know, just never. It always seemed like one more thing to have to go do, and I don't know. Maybe there was a tactical mistake on my part but um, let's I'm fascinated by your running career and so this kind of couples in with like your origin story of you as an athlete Um, I want to take this to Sweden and because I just think were you pro in Sweden or was it semi-pro or what give give us a story of you (laughs) as an athlete and how how did you you know get to here on a bike today for first internet bank so so in
1: Basically, how it started was um you know just in ninth grade, doing track just doing just doing normal running stuff, but i was also I started racing um bicycles when I was young too, okay like 15, sixteen, so I was running and I was racing both and I, but I was primarily doing mountain biking and cycle cross. and I would do road bikes and I, I would got to a cat three and I would race like but it was like the least amount that I would do out of my cycling was road because I lived. Down a dirt road, and just like it was a hassle to ride the road bike, you had to take it to the highway, and it was a lot. Easier. And riding the road bike when you're when I was younger it was like not that appealing because I didn't have anybody to ride with, and we're way out in the middle of nowhere, so it was just easier to to ride the mountain. In the woods. Dude,
0: my nephew got uh he kind of wanted to like get into cycling, and we got him a road bike. And the biggest drawback was his friends had mountain bikes. So when they went off road, he's like, I'm on this stupid, skinny, tired bike. And like, I, I always say I dropped the ball. I should have been like riding out to his house on recovery days and riding with him to promote it more. But it kind of just got like, now he had the wrong bike. So yeah, I feel that it's, it's tough. It's not a popular sport here. You know, we need to get more Europeans over here to like have their kids riding. And I don't know, but all right, keep rolling. So you're mountain biking, you're hitting the cross bike, basically everything about road.
1: Yeah, and, and road a little bit, but just just not as much. Like, mm-hmm. just doing a hand and And um, so, and then basically what happened was I got – I was pretty good at both. Um, the best I ever did on the mountain bike was I got second in the national series. I missed the Worlds by one spot um, for Mountain Bike Worlds. And then in Cyclocross, I got seventh at Nationals as a junior with, you know, the likes of, uh, like, Danny Summerhill won. Alex Howes was second. Um, Just these all these guys that are big-time hitters. TJ Van Gardner was tenth. So I was in, like, a, a really good group of riders and just, like, wasn't quite good enough to, like, make that world's team, like, just just right off of that and then and then that was cyclocross that was cyclocross i got seven, you're like
0: world's almost qualifier for mountain bike and cross
1: yeah i was real close yeah i was real close to both and did that
0: have like a were you kind of pissed off by that like that or were you just like that much hungrier? like i'm so close because i think it goes to no. a kid at that age it's like what are you 16 17
1: Right sixteen and seventeen and, and no I, I was more I guess pissed off, but more just like bummed out. Um,
2: yeah,
1: I always felt like I just didn't get like a fair like a fair shot and, and and I don't know if that's fair to say or not, like I still think about that a lot, and I think about that for kids that basically if you grow up in a in an area where you don't have these developmental teams, like if you're not in Boulder or you're not in California or you're not like on the East Coast where there's like a hub for cyclocross mm-hmm. you don't it's really hard to break into that that mold when you're coming from the outside and um there's just not a lot of room like when you're talking about there's only four guys or five guys going to worlds and you and you're dealing with the you know a handful of guys that are you know i think that year at cyclocross there was two or three guys in the top five that were from boulder they were on the same team so it's like when you're dealing with these guys from Colorado, and it's it, it. I'm not gonna say it comes political, but it's it's it definitely hard. There's
0: poli- yeah, yeah. there's politics and everything. It's yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's hard, and and there are guys that do it, and and you know it can easily be said that I wasn't good enough, and the results kind of show that. But then there's also guys that have the same results or slightly worse that would make that team. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and then there and then there's some other things that come involved too, but. Yeah, it's just the teams that when you're a junior, like, getting on one of these teams, like, a Hot Tubes or a Lux, like, I don't think people will understand, like, when they're on those teams how big of a deal it is, like, you know, or a Hencapy or, you know, just the, – there's only a handful of these teams in America, these junior squads for mm-hmm. development teams. And, like, I was good enough to be on one of those. And in mountain biking, there's typically only one or two and the one, there was one back then, and and they graduated a ton of pros, and, you know, I knew the guy who ran the team, and I talked to him, and, you know, he was a nice guy. He was just basically like, you know, the team's full, and and that was it, and that's one of those things where, like, if you get on one of those type of development teams, and you keep progressing, you know, then, then you get onto a U23 team, and then you just, you're in that pipeline, mm-hmm. so it was discouraging to me to, like, be so close and never make it and also you know I was running well so basically my my senior high school my my high school coach was like hey we're gonna focus a little harder just on your running and he's like I think you can go to college you know get a scholarship and so anyways I, I went to junior college for two years on a full ride and then I went to a division one school University of Arkansas Little Rock on a full
0: scholarship. Did you hang and out J.R. Ryder back then? What'd you say? You hang out with J.R. Ryder. Isn't he the big Arkansas basketball player? Maybe that was before us, actually. The dude with the crazy dunk. Google him later. He's, okay. He yeah. was one of the first dudes that it was dunk contest where it was like, he went, it was game over, and everyone was like, whoa. I'm pretty sure he went to Arkansas. I hope so because that's my, like, Razorback memory. But
1: so I went to Arkansas Little Rock, which is like a, a kind of confusing – people get that typically confused with
0: – Not a Razorback. Not a Razorback.
1: We're the Trojans. Yeah, oh, so way different animal. Not even an it, animal. It, yeah. So <laughs> what happened? Um, University of Arkansas Little Rock is where I went. So it's a branch of University of Arkansas system. Okay. But still a Division one school, but it's in a smaller conference. Um, it's in the Sun Belt, and so that's where I went. And sometimes that typically gets confused. It's a confusing I, thing. Okay. So, but it's still a Division one and. We were pretty – we won Sun Belt Championships in cross country my senior year, which was a big deal. And
0: um, – There are some really sick running pictures of you out there on the internet. Like, we got one, and I should freaking share the screen right now, but you are running like this, just, like, nose breathing, and a couple dudes behind you are like, ah, it's like – and your hair, you need to bring back – that's, like, your next haircut. When you're ever, like, at the barber or whoever's cutting hair – you're like, what should I do? Let me send you this picture because it looks super fresh. Oh, uh, yeah. bad boy up on the
1: screen here. I used to I used to try to look like Prefontaine when I was in college.
0: It was a little bit like that. It was tight.
1: Um, But yeah, so then basically, but there was always a plan. Like I always had this idea in my head. Like I didn't want to go to college. I didn't really want to run. Like I only wanted to ride, but... When you're getting a full scholarship, a free education, nobody's going to let you, like my my dad, my my parents, like the neighbors, they were just like, hey, you have to do this. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, like, you don't understand. Like, this is a big deal. This is like, you know, tens and tens, you know, near $100,000 worth of education, five years of school. So I was like, okay, so I did it. And I went to school, but I always had this idea where I was going to go, like, straight back to cycling. You know, I was going to be, like, last year, U23, like, hop in it, like, as soon as I got done. And, uh, you know, and then, then I met a girl, and I started running better. And then it was, like, came this opportunity where we were going to move back to Sweden, where she was from. And, and you know, that's what I did. And so okay. I went to Sweden.
0: And you were there for how and- long?
1: 2 years. Yeah, I lived there for 2 years.
0: That's so awesome. Did you learn any Swedish or do they were they like, "Ooh, an American, let's speak English to you?"
1: Well, yeah, so everybody speaks English, but it is hard to get a job without without speaking Swedish. So and and they, you know, Sweden's got some they got some perks to learn in Swedish and they have free classes and if you pass the classes, then like you get these bonuses for like each class you pass. No like yeah, so like and I can't remember exactly how much it is, but if you pass, like, you know, like, the third one or whatever, like, and you're proficient in Swedish, it's, like, it might be, like, a $1,000 you get. Like, it's that's pretty good. For, like, it's do like you a have pretty to be
0: good. a citizen there, or is it just, like, hey, I'm hanging out in Sweden, I'm going to go take these classes?
1: Well, well, I, I think they're for, they're for, like, immigrants, and then if you're, like, so, because they have people moving there, like... um.
0: So, I'm doing that because my one thing that I hate is that I can't speak another language. I just think like from the American standpoint, it just, I really want to, I'm okay at Spanish, can't even have a conversation though, but I might be going to Sweden if they're gonna pay me to learn Swedish.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's for, it's mostly for like uh, refugees and immigrants, but then like if you're moving there and, and so like I was getting a, like a dual residency like a, is what I had. So then you can take these classes And the classes are free and they're really good. And what happened was like I started the classes, but then I got an actual job. And then like it became this issue where like I was really tight for time because I was working 40 hours a week and I was running, you know, 70, 80 miles a week. And I'm trying to take this class like three or four times a week for 90 minutes or whatever it was. And then I was just basically came to like, okay, I have a job. Like I I have to cut one of these out and I I stopped taking the
0: classes. I gotcha. What were you doing over there for work? Well,
1: so I'd never had a job before, you know. I never yeah. had a job school, college, nothing. And when I got to Sweden, like, I had to get a job. As I was getting like, the team I was on was kind of like being a Cat 1, like, be, like being a, at an elite level in America where it's like you're getting your equipment, you're getting your entry fees, you're getting help, but you're not getting, like, actual money. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it was with the running. Like I was getting shoes, I was getting clothes, entry fees, taken to some of the races, stuff like that, reimbursed. Um, But I wasn't really getting like money. So I had to get like a job. And the first job I got was a construction job. So, and it was like, I was on like the demolition crew, of this construction job. Like I wasn't running the jackhammer. I was with the guy running the jackhammer. And then I'm just like picking up all this cement loading it in the wheelbarrow and taking it out to the dumpster all day long. So just yeah. back and forth. Yeah, kind of <laughs> M- more like getting super tired and trying to go home and run. And, you know, in, in the winter it gets dark at like three or four o'clock. So I'm running in the dark, you know,
0: all the time. Not a good look. You're like, it's, no one can even see my hair. I look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's pitch black out here
1: it's really hard. Like it's, it's a, like one, cause I'm not used to winter, you know, I'm not used to cold and I'm not used to snow. So you go to like go straight into that. So one winter I was trying to run outside in the snow all winter and I was having a hard time with that. That's hard. And then the next winter I was trying to run inside on the treadmill. So I was doing like 80 miles a week on the treadmill and I got like a stress reaction in my, uh, in my shin so I was just getting banged up from like, just basically not being smart. And, um, but yeah, that's, so I did that. And basically towards the end of that, I ran a half marathon in the Netherlands and I got a stress fracture in the head of my tibia, mm. like which is right below your knee. And then that's when I decided I was going to, and I don't think I'm 25 at this time, I decided that I was going to go back to cycling. And I don't even have a bike in Sweden like I had a I had a basically like a Walmart version of a bike in Sweden that someone had put like beside a dumpster to throw away. It was a Next. And I, no, no, it was like a Swedish. It was better than a Next, but it was like a Swedish version of a Walmart bike. It was a little bit better though. Yeah, it's called then, like, Yeah. But I can't remember what it was called, but I uh I just got this bike from the dumpster. Like it was beside the dumpster. Someone was throwing it away. And then I was riding it and I, but I was doing like pretty big rides. Like I would do like 40, 50 mile rides on it. Mm-hmm. No, t- no, sho- no clip shoes, nothing. I would just be like, I'm gonna go ride. Cause I didn't have money to buy anything like that. Like I wanted to have a road bike. I wanted to have like all the gear, but I didn't have anything to start with.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, So I was just doing that. Like when I was injured, I was doing these rides just like going down the dirt road and like, I would just go like an hour out and an hour back, just like crushing it. And then when I got home, like I had some stuff left over from the days when I was riding like my 26 inch mountain bike with rim brakes, like all these things that I was riding in 06, 05, 06, 07. Um, So I just go back to riding those things and I'm working. And then eventually I buy a road bike from a friend in little rock. they worked at Orbea when Orbea used to be in Little Rock, and he, he sold me a, a road bike pretty cheap, like 1500 bucks for a full bike, you know. And then I was set up, and then, then that's how it went.
0: So you're full in then. So that throws us into what, like oh eight oh nine?
1: No, that, that throws us into – that throws us all the way into 2015. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So oh, yeah. I started- oh, five, oh, six. oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, damn, dude, so you've only been, like, getting at it on the road for five years or so?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 2015 was my first year back on the road bike. S-
0: snap, as Johnny <laughs> yeah, Purvis does. So I had eight
1: I had eight years off the bike, basically. You came
0: in as Cat 5 and just shredded people. How, so you did Cat 5 to Cat 1 in, like, two seasons, however many races you could do, basically?
1: No, so so like I was saying earlier, I was a Cat Three when I was a junior.
0: Okay. And when I came back
1: to America, so you know, technically on my license, I'm a Cat Three. Okay. And so then I I just I talked to the guy and I was like, the the U the USAC rep here in Arkansas, and I actually know the guy. So I was like, hey, you know, you know, I've been running, I've been off the bike. And I raced cyclocross when I got back at the end of 2014, and I was just doing an Arkansas race. And I was winning all the Arkansas stuff. I think I lost one race out of, like, five or six. and But those are just small, local stuff. And I was like, hey, you know, I did these cyclocross races. This is what I was running, like, last year, the last couple years in college. And I was like, can I just have a Cat 2? Because I don't want to deal with this Cat 3 stuff. And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then it took, me, it took me, like, a whole year to get my – so basically you can you can't fake from a 2 to a 1 but you can kind of talk your way from these other ones yeah. if if you have some arguments but you can't when you're going from a 2 to a 1 it's got to be legit you got to have the points there's no there's no getting around that one
0: cuz it's not even the regional guy that does that upgrade it's the guy above him right it's it's got to go got to go to the national guy yeah
1: it's got to go all the way to the to the main spot so when i got my 2 i was but that's fine, because you, you can almost race every race. Every um, race.
0: The difference between a Cat 2 and a Cat 1 is Cat 2s are just Cat 1s that can't win. And that's not a diss. It's just what it is. Literally, we're all Cat 2, and some people win races and get their Cat 1. Other people just become pack fodder. Yeah. You know, I told that to a guy the other day, and he was, like, cracking up, laughing, thinking I was joking. I'm like, that that's actually just what it is. Some people just win, and some people don't. I mean, that's what's up. So, you get – Yeah, so – So you go in, and how do you connect? So then you started racing with the OKC team.
1: No, so when I first started back, I just went back to the guys that I already knew. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was a junior, I was racing for back then. It was called Tyson, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which is essentially Fayetteville-Willman, which is the guy who puts on Joe Martin, Bruce Dunn. Got it. So, and he's always been around, and I basically go back to Bruce – and he's got some guys on the team, actually some good guys, some younger guys that were good. And, uh, you know, like top 10 of to Joe Martin and the one two good, like the, the solid guys.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I go back and he was like, hey, you know, basically without even just seeing my cyclocross stuff. And I hadn't read, raced a road bike in eight years. He was like, you know, we'll give you entry fees. We'll give you kits, you know, good, pretty good stuff. Like for not having any, not having raced a road bike in eight years. So I was like, OK, that's pretty good. So I ride with these guys and and I don't think it doesn't start off too great. Um I think the first race I did back was Rouge Roubaix in the one-two. And I don't know if you would have been there or not, but that was 2015. Roubaix. And uh I flatted and you know, had some issues, but I finished. And I had a couple rough races. And then by the time Joe Martin came around I think I got 15th in, in the TT stage, which was my best day, which was okay. And, you know, I finished. And later in the season, like OKC Pro Am, they had like a Cat 2 only race. Mm-hmm. So I raced the only race and, you know, I was getting top tens and I got fourth on the last day. And it's kind of funny, like, there's an old pitcher and it's like Brandon a lot. I think he's like second or something. It's like some other guys that we know that we all race with and but that day i think i kind of turned i don't know if i turned any heads but it was impressive to me i raced the two race got fourth and then they let me in the one two race like an hour later Mm. and the one race like colin strickland won and all those elbows guys were there and i think i finished like 15th or 16th and there was like it was like a 50 guy field like it was pretty good 50 60 guys and like i but i had raced it like back to back basically yeah I knew, like, I was strong. I just had to learn a lot of stuff. Right. And then the next year, um, I switched over to another team in Fayetteville just to get a little bit more support. Like, they gave me a bike and stuff. And, like, that year, I got top ten at Joe Martin. I got seventh in the one twos in Joe Martin. And that's when I got my upgrade to a one. And I guess the other thing you can't do when you're a two is you can't do cat one nationals you can't do elite nationals that's the big one
0: true that is true yeah, so i got my on the crit in that uh was that in 2017
1: 2016 i went to elite nationals in louisville and i got 15th in the road race um so yeah, like me the hard and road t- race yeah it was a really hard road race it was like How
2: many turns for me
1: yeah it's a it's a fun race uh, i really like that course tanner got 14th and i got 15th which is kind of a funny thing that and we were funny. like Panner was just riding like unattached at that point, And I was riding for a Fayetteville team. And then the next day I got 12th in the crit, I think. That was when it rained. And uh, I-, I won a race or two. Like I've, I've won a-, a race every year. Like I, w- I even won a race in 2015, but it was like a smaller, like local crit. And then I think in 2016, I might've won two races. Um, But I- a bit, it's, I, so it's hard to explain to people like how hard it is to win races, because like I kind of tell people like pretty good at riding a bike, but they're like, "Well, yeah, how much do you win?" I'm like, "Well, I don't really win that much. Like, you know, I've been lucky to win like one race a year. Like, I think the best year I had, I won three or four races, but it's it's just really hard to win bike races.
0: It's so hard. It's you're lining up against everybody. I think Eric Eric Marcotte puts it really well on a podcast. He's like, "So you want to be special boy that day? At, well, guess what? Fifty other dudes want to be too, and." Everybody, once you're at Cal 1, everybody's training. Everybody, or we'll say 98% of the people are training. They take it seriously. They put in the hours. They're, you know, doing the little things. It's really difficult to win. Um, But you have – so you have a knack, though, of, like, getting in the break, seeing the move, understanding the race. And I don't know if it's – you're definitely a student of cycling. I've read some articles where you talk about cycling as the lifestyle. I think you're so – Ingrained in it that that might just be secondary knowledge as to how you kind of see what's going on. Because I especially try to explain to newer racers, like, dude, the fitness is half of it. Like, we can get your watts up, but if you don't know when to launch off, if you don't know how to put yourself in a good position, if you don't know how how to understand and take inventory of everything that's happening, you're just not going to be good at this. And people don't understand that because then everybody wants to win. And it's like, dude, winning is super, super hard. Like, you get on a podium in a season, dude, pat yourself on the back. Um, Yeah. What do you see? What has that kind of been? Because you're in, you know, big moves. I mean, even when we were in OKC 2018, you came in second in that crit or third. Like, that's a big race. Um, What do you see? how are you approaching these races and like what's going through your mind or is it just instinct or like, where do you think you picked up this knack for getting the break and being successful with it?
1: No, that, that just took a lot of time. Just, that takes a lot of, it takes a lot of like watching a lot of bike races, being mm-hmm. in a lot of bike races. And eventually what it came down to was I had this real interesting The night before that OKC race, I had a really interesting uh, conversation with Colin Strickland. And I was talking to him about another cyclist, a good cyclist, a sprinter. And this guy would always get podiums, top fives, but he would always sit in and he would just he would just sprint. And I was I went to Colin and I was like, oh, man, this guy's riding really well. Like, man, look at these results. And he was like, he was like, oh, that doesn't matter to me and I was like he's not a bike racer and I was like well what do you mean like he's getting like really good results like a lot of results better than what you get and he was like nobody's going to know that no burn he, and I and I, he was like he was like yeah but nobody's going to remember who he is like he's like people remember who you are like if you're off the front like you're making moves even if you don't win the bike race mm-hmm. and I was like not, but up until that point I was like I would get in some moves but I was trying to play it safe and I, cause I could ride pretty good at the end. You know, I could get top tens because I, I know how to like position the crit just off of some, off of some skill.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it kind of stuck with me. I was like, it's kind of interesting, you know, even if you don't win the bike race, like people know who you are. And, and it is kind of a, even like you see it in pro racing, you see these guys go off the front and you know, they're not going to win, but it's still like, it's a big deal. And people know who they are and they, they got like a huge fan base because of the way they ride. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I, I kind of thought about that and I was like, man, like being off the front, like showing yourself, like, even if you don't win, it's still, it's, it's still like really cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and that's like a way to show you're strong too. And I was just I like, was going
0: to say, cause it's even, it's not even necessarily always like easy to get off the front when you're talking about a big race, like, uh, so, I mean, and not to derail your story, but that's one thing that I thought about when we were in the race in New Zealand. And I got off the front with that dude. It was like the race was furious for an hour. And finally, we got away far enough. They, like, We got a minute up the road. They stopped to take a pee. We had two minutes up the road. And I'm like, dude, this feels amazing just being out of the group. Um, and that's the thing, too. Like, if you don't race, you don't necessarily understand, like, what that means, but I was like just stoked to be. Now everyone's chasing us, you know. When they come back at it, like you got to come get us, uh and they yeah. You, so so he tells you this, and so what are you thinking going into the OKC race? What did that change? You
1: know, I, it, yeah, it was it was interesting, and I was like, you know, because because that race specifically like was so dominated by because handicap, he had like a full squad there, like eight guys, you know. And they were, like, the strongest team by far. Mm-hmm. Day before, you and Stefan were off the front for a long time. But being in the group, it was just, like, this very calculated, like, it's going to come back. But it was still cool, like, you know, you're out there showing you're a strong guy with Stefan, who's one of the strongest guys in the region.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: he's known for that. And then the next day, I had that conversation that night with Colin. And then the next day, like, I was just like, I'm just going to race super hard. I'm going to try to get in this move. And I just ended up getting in the move with Colin and going super hard. And then just by one of those like weird things, like it ended up being a break stuck and I got second and it was a big result. And, uh, and then basically I, I kind of came to this realization that like I'm never going to win a field sprint. Like I'm never, I mean, I can get top tens, you know, consistently, but like nobody really cares about that. Like it's it's better for me to take these chances to try to get in these moves. Cause I can't I can win out of like three or five guys.
2: You mm-hmm. know.
1: And the year before that, like when I won a big race in Intelligentsia, that's I kind of just like I wouldn't say I lucked out, like I, but I was I was I was taking chances at the end of the day. But you know, it was one of those things where it was like a one out of a 10 situation that that break was going to stick and it did. And then, and then I won. Um, but basically I got to the point where I felt like my fitness was good enough where I could take these chances. Mm-hmm. And, and, and part of that's being on a team with guys where you take these chances and they take these chances. And then you have somebody sitting back there waiting to win the race, you know, whenever, after you've done what you can do. 100%. And that's a hard thing to do when you're riding by yourself. Like if you're showing up to a race by yourself, You're putting yourself out there going for these breaks and then it doesn't work and you don't get a result at the end of the day. And then that might be okay with you, but maybe it might not be. Like if you can go for a top 10 and get that money to get back home or whatever.
0: So that's the thing that I was going to ask you. Why do you think some people don't want to take this chance and they're okay with seventh, whereas opposed to rolling the dice, they could possibly win. I mean, I'm not going to win a field sprint. That's why I always roll the dice. At the same time, the other prong that you're talking about is I've always had whether it's been this guy Bocic, a Polish mountain bike I did uh, road stuff with up north, or Patrick Wally down here, or we race together, you. Like, if I go off early or in a little break, I know if we get caught, I got a teammate behind me. But even if I'm alone, yeah. I'd rather get beat up trying to win and get 18th than jerk around and get 6th. Yeah. What do you think is the – What is that just somewhat like are we just more risk takers or are we more – why do you think some people are like, I'm just going to – like I want to take the safer seventh as opposed to try to win?
1: I think when when you're a little bit earlier in in your cycling career, like you might just want to be consistent and you want to just do well Mm -hmm. instead of like going off the front and getting caught and not finishing or finishing dead last. Mm -hmm. You just –
0: is that ego, just like being like, I don't want to look like a loser?
1: Yeah, you just don't want to. That might be that, and 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 basically, at some point, because I could do really well, like I could get top twenties, top tens, and it's pretty respectable races. But then I got to the point where like I can be off the front, get caught, get last, and still be people know who I am and and know that I really went to win. Yeah, great
0: it's always yeah. funny when there's people that don't understand that I forget what race we were I think it was actually when we were all on DNA I think Patrick had won and someone was like how'd the race go I'm like Patrick won they're like how'd you do I'm like I don't know I think I got 16 they're like better luck next time and I was like yeah. we won what what like right. yeah some people
1: yeah that's that's kind of the trick and and that's the thing where you know going back to Colin Colin's a usually successful rider but people don't realize it's like he doesn't win a ton of bike races. Like he's not this like prolific winner. Like he's won a he's won he wins bike races and he's won a couple really big ones. But what he does is he puts himself out there like almost every time.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: people that and that's why he's popular. Like it's the way he races. It's his like attacking style and there's certain guys you know like in Europe like a Thomas de or a Tim Wellens like yeah. they win a ton but it's like the way they race or like a steve cummings like people want to see it like they just want to see these guys rip it like just go for like you know 100k to go like just and people like that yeah and then i once i became more of a fan of the sport then i got to where i like that like i appreciate that more than than other things in cycling and then so
0: i want to be that kind of rider so that's a, this was one of my questions. What is Johnny Purvis? How, when you see yourself, how do you want to be defined as a rider? How do you define yourself as a rider? Not even caring. What, how are the people define you? Because in my mind, how I think some people see you as a racer is not who you think you are. And this, what do you, who are you as a bike racer?
1: Yeah. Well, I think of myself as like an all around kind of guy, like like an all arounder, like I can do crits. I can do road races. I can do gravel i can do some other stuff cyclocross um but who i would want to be seen as is just like a strong guy like a guy that that's in these breakaways like makes these groups makes these selections like makes the race hard that's what i would want to be known as it's like a guy that makes it
0: hard what type of race any specific one or any of the races that you're talking about
1: I just want to get better at the longer stuff, like longer road races, one day road races, gravel races. Like, I just want to be, you know, up there with like, I've, and I've made some of those groups before, like that time we were at land run and we were in group, like that's late in the race and that's, that was super hard to do. And then I rode myself out of it and you know, I want to be like
0: a. That's how I see you. I think a lot of people see you as a crit guy. And I'm like, Purvis is not a crit dude. Like, Purvis will go do a 120 mile road race. Purvis is going to do a 150 mile gravel race and be there. And that's how I kind of see you. But because of the things that you mentioned earlier, having the skills to navigate to get a top 10 in a big crit, sometimes people want to like pigeonhole you as a crit guy. And I'm like, nah, not at all. Like, if I'm picking guys for a road race, you're on the list. Um, What's so you're bringing up gravel? Do you have any preference, gravel versus road? I, I
1: still like road better, um, but gravel is fun. There's just so many things that can go wrong. It's it's just a it's a it's a hard <laughs> and equipment becomes more um, crucial. I feel like, but I, I like gravel a lot. Um, yeah.
0: I'm in the same boat as you. I think I was thinking that I would like gravel more maybe, and I do enjoy gravel, and I hate to say it, I wouldn't want my gravel bike to hear it, but sometimes I like riding the gravel bike for a week and a half, because then you come back to the road bike, and it's like, this is so fast, and this is so smooth, and I just, I think I'll forever, I, I should never say forever, but if I had to pick, I would pick a road bike. I just love that feeling. I love the racing. I love just, yeah, it's less equipment. I'm a, right now. I'm, well, I do have a backup pair of wheels, but it's, you know, I know one set of tires that I need and you know, I, it's, yeah. I'm not a big getting dirty kind of fan and there's just so many other th- I've had a lot of mechanical issues with gravel races that, um, I just want to be there for I wanted to be a fitness competition. And I realized that that's not what bike racing is all the time. And it's certainly not gravel. So it's actually been interesting. I've been experimenting running tubes on gravel. And I've been having better luck, which I know everyone is like, you're just an idiot. But I think it might be because of my size. I was burping tires for a little while. And then it seems like I was getting weird flats, like a sidewall where I'm like, if this little nick wouldn't, slice it wouldn't even touch a tube like this is i'm creating more problems for myself going tubeless i'm gonna keep riding tubes and see what happens and maybe it's also because when i do gravel it's purely gravel it's nothing like super gnarly because if it is i'm off the back anyways it's just way above my skill set so um do you think go ahead
1: i think with that like you know the issue becomes you just have the pressure you have to run and if you're running if you're riding roads that are good then it's okay Mm -hmm. because you can higher pressure and it's not affecting you but if you get on some some choppy stuff some bumpy stuff like it'll it'll become hard to have those tubes in
0: see but then it's like you know people at first were like run 32 psi and i was like burping it like i would see some like goo come out or you know sealing stuff and so then they're like run 35 and i just i don't know man i must be doing something wrong at some point but I guess because after that you're right you got to do you have to run higher tire pressure to have the tubes in there but when we're talking about gravel and road training wise do you see do you do anything different if you were going to do just one or the other or do you see the two trainings crossing over and being pretty like symbiotic together
1: yeah no I see I'm crossing over pretty good like I don't think I would do anything much different. And, you know, like I was talking, me and Tanner were riding a week or so ago, and we were talking about gravel and even mountain bike. And basically, like, because he rides a lot of roads that are flat. And then you just, and you do too. I know this because, you know, I see your stuff. And you get into this thing on the road where you're doing like 21, 22 mile an hour rides, which is fast. Like, you're riding fast. Like, it's just constant speed. Mm-hmm. and then watts, watts or whatever they are but if you take that to the gravel you know you're not going that fast all the time but the watts are still the same and if you take it to the mountain bike then you're just like you're just putting around in the woods and you're still doing you know 250 watts yeah. you know all, so it's just like moving slower
2: yeah. and
1: which is nice sometimes instead of having to just be like going 20 miles an hour the whole day
0: yeah dude, sometimes it's like all right where where am I gonna ride i'm gonna be really far from home and it's just like, yeah, here outside of Memphis, um, it's crazy. I mean, what a six-hour ride becomes. It's, you know, 130-plus miles. It's just like I could use some hills. But that, that was one thing, too, that I think was a big – when I heard gravel in these long races, I'd kind of tried to tweak some training. And it just – it really is way harder than I had expected in the beginning. I thought longer meant it would start off a little easier. But it is just like a freaking punching match early on, which, uh, I now enjoy, but it was definitely a wake up call. I think to a lot of gravel racers, they don't expect it to be like full throttle attacking out the gun out the gate, but it's, um, what, what race did you miss the most in 2020 since everything got canceled?
1: Well, I think it was going to be some stuff that I hadn't done yet. Like I was, I was going to do some things I'd never done like Redlands and Belgian waffle ride, Mm. but you know, even like a Tulsa tough, like, I don't know. I was, I'm really, I really like Tulsa tough. That would have been a, you know, I was really wanting to go there and then just like stuff with the team, like, you know, cause it was a brand new team. I didn't get to race with these guys. And so that was kind of just like a bummer, like not getting to race. Like we had a team camp, like before all this, we had a team camp at the end of February or the beginning of March, like kind of right before all this stuff went down mm-hmm. and it was like super cool. Everybody was vibing, like, everybody was riding well, like, we were, you know, it was going to be, like, a super good time, and it's then just, wild. like, yeah, for sure, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, then we just didn't get to race, you know, so that was kind of a bummer.
2: Yeah.
1: Just any of the races, really, like, I, I don't know if specifically, like, one, I don't really know, like, I don't, I don't really put any race above, I'm trying to think, like, what race I really, really like, like, Tulsa Tough Sunday. I really like, you know, Joe Martin, Sunday. I really like, you know You're picking on the crits, dude. Just these really Yeah, that's the other thing. Like we talk about crits, but it's, those are different kind of crits to me. Like when you race these like like those ones with the hills, like it's it's not it's not like a road race. It's just like a really hard crit where you only end up with like twenty guys at the front or thirty guys at the front. Yeah. Like it gets really hard. Like it's like you can't sit in um i like crits like that like i don't i don't necessarily like crits or call myself a crit guy but if it's a really hard crit where it's a hill then it it becomes like a selection and then i i like those because it comes like a, it becomes more of a a fitness than just like sitting in and sprinting i don't like i don't like flat crits where everybody can sit in and it's like what you're doing in the middle of the group is 100 watts less than what the guy in the front's doing mm-hmm. i don't like yeah um but yeah so probably like joe martin joe martin belgian waffle ride just anything really miss it all
0: yeah dude i'm jones and i like yeah i was thinking yesterday i knew it had been a long time since i raced i rode out and i was in these arkansas flats and like way down the road. I saw this like flashy red light and I was like, I almost feel like I need to go chase this person down. And I'm like, dude, you need to get like a race in your system. Cause it's just like hunting down random people. This guy was actually crazy. He had like four panniers on it. A dog came running out and was like biting his, uh his, uh what are those little foamy? I want to call it a, a croc. The dog's like biting this croc and this guy's got all his panniers on. I'm like, Hey, trying to get the dog off him. The guy's like, Hey, I was like, dude, good luck with whatever you're doing. But, um, race routine, any tips for people on things that have worked well for getting ready for a race? Cause I think a lot of people go to a race and they don't realize all the little things that go into getting to the start line. It's not like you just show up and you're on the start line. You got to get your bike out, get your bike, make sure your bike's been ready. kit up. Da, da, da Do you have anything that's like really just helps you get in the zone for the race?
1: Well, I try to do as much as I can the night before, but as far as type stuff, just being early, like I just feel like if I'm, even it's like, if it's like 30 minutes or an hour early, like just being early, like, so you don't have to stress about that time is a really big deal for me. Like I've always liked to show up to things like early, Mm -hmm. just always something that's going to go wrong. Right. But I'm not, I'm not superstitious or I don't, I don't have anything that I do every single time. Like I, I don't. Nothing like that, but I do like to get to places early.
0: Dude, I think that's a great, those are two great tips of like being prepared. Get what you can get done the night before. Have your stuff laid out. You know, if you're doing a race, know what kind of food you're eating. Um, You see some people that it just looks like a bomb went off in their car and they're like frantically getting ready. And and yeah, I just can't can't live that way. Um, You got a YouTube channel coming out, right? Is that is that popping? Because I see you got a camera now. If you're following him on, Swaggy P, that's three Gs, two Ys, and one P.
1: Yeah, I am wanting to get some stuff going for sure. Like, I I think I, I have different ideas, and then I obviously want to do some race stuff, and there's no races happening. So, you know, that's kind of a buzzkill. But I do want to get some stuff coming out pretty soon. I have some ideas. and.
0: You know, I was actually thinking of the other day. I want to like watch a UCI race with you and we're going to zoom you just doing commentary would be incredible.
1: Yeah. Like we've talked about that before. Like that, that would be fun too. Like I, I, I like that idea. Like it's, it's pretty cool.
0: Awesome. Dude, I appreciate your time. I look forward to racing against you. Hopefully you don't have your full hit squad with you when we do that. Um, any parting words from Johnny Purvis for the people?
1: no man just uh thanks for having me on and and uh hopefully get to see you soon
0: awesome yeah dude i i wanted to i was up in hardy arkansas actually did some gravel riding there was incredible and the roads look so much like jasper when we did the camp up there at dna and i was like damn where's johnny but it was just these long roll like people who haven't been out there you say you know you say rollers and i think like traditional rollers like quick like Arkansas has some of these like long rollers where they're kind of climbs, but they're not, but you're going fast. And like the climbs right. are still quick, like super dynamic and fun riding. I was doing gravel that day, but there were a couple times, you know, you're connecting on the road and I'm like, dude, I got to bring a road bike up here again. Just such beautiful country.
1: So. Is that when you were in Bentonville or what was that?
0: No, it was in Hardy. Uh Chris's buddy has a place up on the river there. Party. Look it up. It's by um, – uh-huh. it's east of you. Because I was actually going to look up – well, COVID was going on, so we wouldn't have been able to do it anyways. But I was like, man, I'm going to come back up here, crash at this dude's place. He bought this little house on the river. He does construction with, uh, like, houses and whatever. Did a little remodel. It's super cool being on the river. Um, but, yeah, the riding was primo. Really good gravel. So – now I have to look that up. Yeah, dude. All right, you going to make some coffee today, work?
1: Uh no, no work today. I'm about to go uh about to go ride. We got a new guy here living in town. This guy named Alec Cohen. He rides for uh, Wildlife Generation. Oh wow. And he just moved here. So I've been riding with him. So we're gonna meet up and do a ride.
0: Sick dude. Have a good yeah. one.
1: All right, man. Talk to you later. Thanks,
0: Donnie.
1: See ya. All right, bye.